Welcome to the Big Red Zone podcast, and I'm so happy to say those words once again. Welcome into episode three. I'm one of your hosts, Max. I'm your other host, Brad. And here with our new third, now official co-host, made such a great impression last time that we had to bring him on officially to help pay some of the bills. It is Rowie Derry. Rowie, say hello. Hello, everybody. Happy to be here, and let's get right into it, boys. So we have a jam-packed show here today, as I'm sure all of our faithful listeners know. It is free agency time in the NFL. In the offseason, this and the draft are the two main centers of attention, and so many moves have gone down. We're going to get into some of the winners and losers of the free agency period here today, and we'll hypothesize on how some of these moves affect the upcoming NFL season. So let's just get right into it. Rowie, right off the bat, hit me with one of your free agency winners. Ryan Fitzmagic. He, there were reports right before, a couple days before free agency began, that Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't getting any offers, that he was going to you know, potentially retire. We could smell BS from a mile away. Ryan Fitzpatrick signed an eight-figure, it was eight figures, correct? Ten, $10 million, million dollar $10 million. deal for, at the Washington football team. Good for Ryan Fitzmagic, hopefully leads them to a championship. Ryan Fitzmagic, big winner for me. How about you guys? I do agree with you, man. I saw this really funny quote that he said that said, every game is a revenge game for me because I play it on every damn team. Now, I happen to think that this is Ryan Fitzpatrick's chance to really show that he can be a starter in the NFL, one that he has not been at any point in his career that we've seen However, at the beginning of each season, he keeps showing promise that he could be the guy who can lead their team. So I am just really curious to see, after week five, after week six, is he still going to be a QB1? He's been in the league since 2005, I believe, and he hasn't been to a single playoff game, which is, I think, what Brad was insinuating here. So he's leading this very talented, young defensive team who made the playoffs last year with four different quarterback starters. Uh, he's set up for the best QB battle of all time with Taylor Heineke. Uh, I saw a meme that was like, it was inevitable that they trade for Gardner Minshew and set up the best three-way quarterback battle of all time. But on the real, I think Fitzmagic has still got it. I think what this team was missing last year was just that little bit of magic. Uh, they had the Alex Smith comeback magic, but it didn't really translate to play on the field. And I think if Fitzpatrick brings out some of that swagger, him and Chase Young can get a little bromance going. I like the Washington football team's chances to repeat in the still weak NFC least. Well, I gotta ask, what do you think it says about the fact that the Dolphins would go to Fitzpatrick to close out big games? What do you think that says about Fitzpatrick as a quarterback? I mean, I think I think it's all in his mentality, to be honest. He's got the veteran swag, the beard, the chain, as Rowie said last time with D-Jax's chain back in the day. I think Fitzpatrick... Fitzmagic is a true leader, uh, and he's one of the smartest guys in the NFL, and I think those intangibles. Harvard alum. Yeah. Harvard alum. What does this say about the NFC East? Dak just got four times uh, Fitzmagic's contract, signed a $40 million per year contract, $160 million total, I believe. What does this say about the NFC East? Who are we picking as our favorites after the Washington football team's moves? I think it's still got to be the Washington football team, to be honest. Dak is back. I think the Cowboys are going to be better. But no one has any idea what's going on in Philly. Uh, Wentz is out. Hurts is in. We're yet to see if he's the real deal. Uh, But I think the Washington football team will still be a defensive, 
run the ball first type of team with just that little extra swagger thrown in. I really want to see how the Washington football team takes their next step next year. They had a really good year, especially for the talent they had on their team last year. I think they really got one of their best possible outcomes from the teams they had from the team they had. Ron Rivera, I really like him as a coach. I think he's a great guy. Um, and I really want to see what step forward they take. How are they going to improve upon next year? I think that's going to look like being a little bit more explosive on offense and continuing their defensive um, clinics every every week. Absolutely. It's going to be very interesting to see if that division is still the worst in the NFL, which it honestly probably will be. So let's move on. Brad, What? who do you think is a winner of this year's free agency spending spree? I think... One of my two winners, actually, are Hunter Henry and John U. Smith. No, unfortunately not because of the team they went to, although I do love my Patriots. I think they're winners because I think they're slightly overpaid, both of them. They both have different contracts for the different amount of years that they're playing, but they're both averaging $12.5 million a year. And I want to ask, do you guys think $12.5 million for a tight end is reasonable, especially those two as tight end. Do you, what do you guys think of those contracts? I mean, the Patriots really don't have a wide receiver one as much as I hate to say it. I mean, if you look at the wide receiver market, good wide receivers are casually making, you know, 10 to $13 million range. Essentially what the Pats are going to say, are saying by this move is, we're going to go with two tight end packages. We're going to have two tight ends essentially acting as two of our primary wide receivers, so we might as well give them wide receiver contracts. Cam Newton, we saw him with Greg Olson. He's a big quarterback who likes big body targets. He likes zipping the ball into big targets, throwing it in between the numbers. I think this is a much better move than some of the smaller wide receivers that he had to throw to last year. Um, The question of whether Cam Newton is the right quarterback for that team is another one. But objectively speaking, I think that this is a very interesting and a good decision. So we saw the Patriots this free agency spend big. And I mean big. I know that there was at least 10 free agent additions to this team. Historically speaking, teams that have spent the most in free agency have not always turned those into Ws on the football field. How do you feel about the Patriots after their offseason? And I want to hear from both of you, though. I'm especially thinking about Rowie here because, as you know, Max and I are both Patriots fans. So we get a little bit of an objective opinion with Rowie, although I do trust both of their football knowledge. Well, I'm not really, but I will chime in. Um, I think what separates the Pats this year from a lot of the other big spending teams back in the day is they didn't really spend it all on one guy, one sort of star addition. They spent it on a lot of unheralded defensive and I guess sort of underrated offensive pieces really in the Belichick way. They added Matthew Judon from the Ravens to a big contract, but he's a great edge rusher. Uh, they added Godshow uh, from the Dolphins, who's a very good defensive tackle. And a few more under-the-radar defensive signings. They got back Kyle Van Noy, who was great back in the day. And in offense, they re-signed Cam, which I'm personally not the biggest fan of. But they sort of are tailoring it, tailoring the offense to Cam, like you said, with the big two tight end packages paying for them was probably worth it because cam cannot throw very far so they need those athletic yard after the catch guys like uh johnny smith and then we can laugh while we want about nelson Aguilar, kendrick Bourne. not the most well-known guys but they're better than demir bird and dante moncrief i think we can all agree on that 
So no matter what, the Pats are revamped. They're ready to go. And I think Bill Belichick is tired after one year of not making the playoffs. Well, I would argue Nelson Aguilar is well-known, but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. I mean, we saw him drop crucial balls for the Eagles. We all seen that video of the unlike Aguilar guy, you know, giving him some heat. I think that Aguilar potentially was a, one of their more questionable moves. I did like Judon. I did like them bring back Van Noy for old time's sake, bring back a good leader. But I thought the Nelson Aguilar move was quite dubious. I mean, we've just seen Juju Smith-Schuster sign an $8 million deal. Um, Aguilar's making $11 million a year for two years. I think he's slightly overpaid. I'm not going to deny he had a great year last year in Las Vegas. I thought that might have been a reach. And I thought potentially, you know, instead of bringing a guy like Aguilar, there's guys like Kenny Galladay who are still out there, you know, potentially going for something a bit bigger. My biggest issue, though, with the New England Patriots offseason was that they re-signed Cam Newton. And I'm not just going to, you know, hate on Cam Newton and not propose solutions. I think that there's other quarterbacks out there that they could have brought in for potentially more competition. Marcus Mariota, for example, another guy they could have brought in from Las Vegas, who had an excellent half against the Chargers, a game that I watched and enjoyed (laughs) very much. And really, you know, he gave me some... uh, uh, he left me shaking in my boots, that's for sure. He he got he put played some good football during that half. But anyway, I feel like right now there's no true challenger to Camp Newton just yet. Potentially they'll draft. I don't want to you know speak too prematurely. I just don't like how they're giving Camp Newton full reign over this team. Well, I, I, I agree with you to some extent in that the acquisitions that they've made for free agents are potentially tailored to Camp Newton as we saw like the two big body tight ends. That being said, when you look at Cam Newton's contract. It's not a, it's not a QB one contract. When I saw the reports that Cam Newton assigned, assigned initially, I thought the same thing as you. But then the more I read into it, they were giving him enough money that if they can't get another guy, which there isn't a perfect other guy that they can pick up, there's no Matthew Stafford still available that you know is a proven guy. His contract is set up in a way that they are still potentially looking for another QB, and if that QB works, great. He's not making that much money because unless he gets the incentives. And if that QB doesn't work, at least you have somebody who can potentially at least get you 7-9, like, which they went last year. So just, I agree with you to some extent. I don't want Kim Newton as my quarterback, but is there really a better option right now? I'm not 100% sure. I'm not going to lie. I think I would have preferred a little Fitzmagic in my life. And this might be a little bit of a hot take, but I very much would have preferred... The MVP, Mitch Trubisky, who is now the backup to Josh Allen in Buffalo in New England. I think that would have been, one, very fun to see what Bill Belichick could have done with the with the once talented guy. Because I think he is a pretty dynamic player. And I think, honestly, I would have rather seen Alex Smith just because of the feel-good story. I think there were a lot of sort of veteran additions. But maybe Cam's second year in the system, maybe he can rehabilitate that shoulder a little bit and maybe he can get back to even a fraction of what he once was. I don't want to be seen as a biased Pats fan because I am trying to remain objective here. But I do think it's important to look at weeks one through three of the NFL season. Cam Newton wasn't the best quarterback in the league, not by any stretch of the imagination. But he was solid. He was a wild card QB. And he was doing just fine. And then he got COVID. And things changed. And yeah. from that point on, and it was very early on in the season. So you can't say half the season was good and half the season was bad. Like his, The majority of the season was really terrible. But it was also post-COVID. And once COVID hit, he was not the same player off and on the field. Was it really COVID? 
who knows? I don't like I, how how can you actually know that? That being said, if he can play like he was playing weeks one through three, almost beating Seattle, um, if he had just bounced out on that fourth and goal, who knows? Maybe he isn't such a bad quarterback. I'm hopeful. So speaking of a tale of two seasons, I actually want to get into another one of my winners, and that is the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh they didn't really add anyone new, but they didn't have to. They're the Super Bowl champions. Basically, they're just bringing the band back together. Well, the the biggest doubt coming into this offseason was, will they be able to get back their guys? Tom Brady's back. He's obviously really the most important. Chris Godwin's back on a franchise tag at least for one more year. They got Levante David and Shaq Barrett back. I don't know how they wouldn't have like the cap to do that. But basically, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are poised for another run. And two weeks ago, we weren't sure what this team was going to look like. And now we're pretty damn sure it looks like the same scary team that won the Super Bowl this year. I think all fog settled once we all got the notification that Tom Brady was restructuring his contract. No one really knew what was going on. No one was. No one really knew what kind of cap gymnastics the Buccaneers were going to pull. Once I saw the news that Tom Brady is ready to restructure his contract, game over. I knew instantly Shaq Barrett's going to be back, Levante David's back, you know, Chris Godwin they brought back. I think that Tom Brady taking a hometown deal is just, you know, just, just the epitome of who he is as a quarterback. He goes after championships. Well, I think one of the most valuable things that Tom Brady is going to bring to this team going into next season is getting over the Super Bowl hangover that many, many teams face. I mean, you look at the Eagles, 2017, win the Super Bowl, and their quarterback is just now playing for the Colts. The, the, the quarterback that got them to the playoffs and set them up to win that Super Bowl, even though Nick Foles did seal the deal there. Now they're terrible. We don't know what now we don't know where they're going. What do you guys think of Tom Brady in terms of can he can, is this Bucks team going to suffer from that same fate that many other teams do or is Tom Brady enough to avoid that? I mean, I think at least for the next few years Tom Brady's enough. I mean, well, we'll see once he hits a, age 44, 45. But at least for the next season, I mean, he's the guy. We've seen that he's still got it. And they're guys that they resign. Like, they're, they're in pretty long-term deals. Shaq Barrett, for sure. And a lot of their guys are still young. Uh, so that sort of young linebacker secondary core can grow. And, I mean, their defense is sticking together for the next few years at least. So I think Tom Brady can lead them on one, maybe two more runs. I mean, last year, the Bucks during the regular season, it was the biggest storyline that I believe it was the first time in Tom Brady's career that he was swept in the regular season by another team, and that was Drew Brees' Saints. Drew Brees is out. The Saints are well over the cap. They have not been able to do much at all. I think next year, it's safe to say the Bucks are the very likely front runners, front runners to win this division. I think they will not, not come in as a wild card team that's going to have to go play the Washington football team like they did last year. They're going to come in with intentions, and they're going to come in playing at home just like they did in the Super Bowl. I think it's a bigger threat next year, if, if you're asking me. And we saw them hit their stride in that third quarter of the season. And once they hit their stride, boy, were they dominant. I mean, like they, they, they just could not be stopped. Hence why they were able to go and win the Super Bowl. You give them another off season to continue tinkering with that. Figure out how you can best utilize A. B. Godwin, Evans, all Gronk, all those pieces. I'm kind of scared at how at, at how good they might be next year. And by good, I'm talking even better than they were last year. Yeah. 
We'll see. I, I honestly think that this team, if they... And I honestly don't think they'll have it going from day one because I think Tom Brady sort of likes to get settled in. But I see absolutely no reason why they can't make another run. So I'm actually going to throw out two teams very quickly that I just want to get your opinions on uh, to see if you think they're, they're winners. Uh, because I think they did improve quite a bit. Uh, I'm going to throw out the Arizona Cardinals who signed J.J. Watt rodney hudson and aj green all veteran guys and i'm actually gonna throw out a homer pick not my homer pick though i'm gonna throw out the la chargers because they signed Corey lindsley one of the best centers in the nfl to improve that god awful o-line and i just want to hear your guys' thoughts will these free agent acquisitions and the growth of their young quarterbacks propel them into potential playoff runs i mean I'll, i'll be happy to talk about the chargers um the story of the offseason for us was the offensive line. It's no secret that our offensive line was in shambles last season. We brought in Trey Turner, Pro Bowler, multi, multi, uh, multiple-time Pro Bowler, excuse me, from the Carolina Panthers. He did not pan out. But Brian Bulaga last year, who's still on the team, didn't pan out because of injury. We had Dan Feeney and Forrest Lamp and Sam Tevye leading the charge. Uh, it's no secret that we had one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL and we just needed to protect Justin Herbert. I love the move getting Corey Lindsey. We had to pay a lot, but I believe he's the best center in the NFL. We got uh, the Steelers guard, who is a three-year, $7 million a year contract, so I think it's a very reasonable contract for him too. We know that the Steelers, they're not one of those teams who have offensive line issues year in, year out. But with the Chargers, we are actually probably going to get some comp picks because we did have a lot of key players released as well. We had Denzel Perryman recently go to the Carolina Panthers. Not many people know about Denzel Perryman, but if you ever watch any Chargers games, the stark contrast between when Denzel Perryman plays versus when our rookie Ken Murray plays is like light and day. That's the difference between 60 yards rushing and 100 plus yards rushing. I think losing Denzel Perryman is huge. We lost Casey Hayward, a longtime cornerback. I won't get into it that much, but you know we can't only look at the Corey Lindsley signing because there's lots of other big-time free agents that did leave the Chargers. I what I am happy about though is that Justin Herbert is better protected. There we go. No, no, no bias here, folks. You heard it here first. What about the Cardinals, Brad? You know I think the Cardinals have the pieces and they should be winners. They should be winners of the offseason. That being said, I don't know. It's all going to come down to Kyler Murray. I mean, like, at the beginning of the season, he was cooking. He, he, was, he was playing well, and we thought this was going to be a playoff team, and not just a playoff team, but a potentially dangerous playoff team. And then, as the season progressed, his play got worse, and they were no longer seen as a playoff team. And the coaching got worse, or at least did not get better, did not help them improve. Exactly. So, in terms of on paper, yes, they're winners. In reality... I don't know that we'll be able to tell whether they're winners or losers until after we look at Kyler Murray's play next year. How about A.J. Green? Do you think he's going to make an impact for that team? He He's a shell of his former self, basically. We, we saw it last year. He's no longer the deep threat he once was. At best, he's a replacement to Larry Fitzgerald, sort of that bigger slot guy that can reel in the possession catches and won't do much. They've got D-Hop. They've got uh, young, dynamic Christian Kirk. So they have their one-two punch. Uh, whether AJ Green can really make a mark, I'm not sure. I think who will make a mark is their new center, Rodney Hudson. He's been a mainstay as one of the NFL's top centers. And their offensive line was also pretty bad last year, so Kyler was running for his life most of the time. 
Uh, so hopefully that improves. I think it's interesting the parallels between these two teams, which is why I sort of brought them up together. They're both very, very dependent on their young quarterbacks. They're both trying to improve their defenses, which were very rough last year. And they both have that go-to number one receiver. So we'll see what happens with them. It'll see, we'll, we'll see how their quarterbacks grow. Well, speaking of running for their life, you know who I think is a definitive loser this offseason? The Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, released two of their offensive linemen. They did pick up Joe Tooney, who I know well from New England. He's a great player. He's gonna, he's definitely going to be a good pickup for them. But he's not enough to shore up that offensive line yeah, that got you need obliterated, the yeah. obliterated in the Super Bowl. So I think they have to be losers. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think I think they're hoping that they'll find them in the draft, uh, which is a little bit of a scary proposition. But because we've seen tackles in the draft sort of go one or two ways, either pan out right away or flop right away, um, so they're hoping that they can instead of going into a rebuild, retool. And I think no matter what, the Chiefs will be fine. But I think this their success next year will depend a lot more than we think on whether they'll hit on their tackles in the draft. I mean, at the end of the day, not everybody's married to Giselle. I mean, Tom Brady is able to take all of these restructures and hometown deals and whatnot. We all know he's not the bread main bread maker in that household. And, you know, <laughs> unless, unbeknownst to me, Jackson Mahomes TikTok's bringing in like 50 <laughs> mil a year. Pat Mahomes has to, you know, do well for himself and good for him signing that 10-year contract. My point is, well, when you well, have a $15 million quarterback... You know, you can't really, there, there's less wiggle room. So I hate to say it, but it was. I think it was do or die for the Chiefs to let go of their two tackles. There's no other way around it. Well, actually, at this point in time, at least for next season, Patrick Mahomes is not making that much money. He's still, I think, at the tail end of his rookie deal. I don't know if he's necessarily making like exactly rookie money, but his 10 million, or sorry, 10-year, $500 million contract, I don't think that takes effect until at least the year after next, or potentially the year after that. So, really, I do agree with you that the Chiefs can't spend on everybody because almost all of their pieces, I mean, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill alone, I mean, they must be dropping at least 60-plus mil between the two. Yeah, not yet. In the future, they absolutely will be. Uh, I think that sort of what we've seen with NFL teams, they restructure these deals, they rework things until they can't anymore. And I think the Chiefs are trying to do that. And I think that brings me to sort of another loser of this offseason. But not by choice, sort of because they have to. And I think that has to be the New Orleans Saints. The Saints were in cap hell entering this season. So they were $100 million over the cap. And they had to shed a lot of that dead weight. And they also shed their longtime Hall of Fame starting quarterback. And yet they signed Taysom Hill. And Jameis Winston. Both. To substantial deals. I mean, maybe not 10 years, 500 million, but if one of them is the backup, neither is being paid like a backup. Well, Jameis Winston got one year, so I think I think this is a trial run. But I think the main problem there is that they let go a lot of those auxiliary pieces. They let go of Trey Hendrickson, who broke out this year on the D-line. And then Jared Cook and Emmanuel Sanders, sort of veteran mainstays on the offense. So do you guys think that the Saints can actually be that competitive playoff division winner that we've seen over the last few years? Or is this sort of the end of the era? Sean Payton will, to mark my words, Sean Payton will find a way to get into the playoffs. 
I don't think with Tom Brady in the division, speaking of a guy who'll take his team into the playoffs, I don't think they're going to win the division. I think Jared Cook, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, they're all cute little pieces. <laughs> but at the end of the day, Drew Brees, their ultimate gamer, uh, the city's favorite quarterback, the heart and soul of this team is gone. I think that's just a devastating blow for them. I think that Sean Payne's going to make him very competitive for the upcoming years. They still have some really good pieces. They got Cam Jordan. They got Alvin Kamara. They're they're not you know they're they're not a lost cause. But I just don't think that this is the same team that we saw last year. I think it comes down to the division for me. I think the division is too good around them. I do think they'll be. I don't know for sure whether they'll be in the playoffs. I think there's a really good chance, but they'll for sure be competing for a spot. I mean, they're not going to be irrelevant, Mark. Like that's for sure. But when you look at having to play the Bucks two times a year and the other people in the division, I'm not sure that they have enough to get into the playoffs. So, real quick, who's starting for them? Both of you, give me give me your picks. Who's their starting quarterback? As much as I disagree with it, they're going to start Taysom Hill. I can't explain why. I do not know. Well, they won with him last year. I mean, sure, but Taysom Hill, like, he's a really good gadget player. I really like him as a gadget player. But he was always filling in for Drew Brees. He, I don't know that we ever really were... I don't know if I ever really saw a Taysom Hill game, watched it, and been like, wow, that's their guy. Um, I've said, wow, that's a really good guy to have as a backup when Drew Brees isn't playing. But I don't know that I looked at him and said, wow, he's the great quarterback that they're going to have for the next five years. I mean, what do you think, Roy? I think this is Jameis' team, and I think that Drew Brees communicated that message on the sideline. We all saw him out to Drew Brees, something like, this is your team now. Jameis Winston, I mean... I don't like him just as much as the other guy in terms of his turnover ability. I mean, he did get laced. Yep, so, you know, he can see now. Give a guy a chance when he has his vision back, you know what I mean? But, I mean, I think Jameis Winston has the arm. He has more of a QB mind. He's more QB-oriented than Taysom Hill. I believe also that, you know, Taysom Hill, you mentioned, did sign that four-year contract. All years voidable. Now, I don't know what any of that means. But all <laughs> what, I, what I do know is that it doesn't really mean as much as it you know, would communicate otherwise with the cap money and with the 140 mil or whatever it was that he's getting paid. Bottom line is I think Jameis Winston is really the, a more true quarterback than Taysom Hill. I think that this is his team at this point. Just to clarify, I think they should, and I want them to start Jameis Winston because I want to see what he can do. He's really good at pushing that ball down the field if he can eliminate the turnovers. Um... But Sean Payton just has this fascination with Taysom Hill like I've never seen before. I really hope that the fact that they brought Jameis Winston back is a signal that they believe in him because I think that he is quite a talented player. If uh, He learned from Ryan Fitzpatrick, right, in, in uh, Tampa Bay, sort of how to sling that ball down the field, how to not give a crap where it's going as long as it's going at least 30 yards that way towards the end zone. Now we learn from Drew Brees, one of the most efficient, uh, non-turnover-prone quarterbacks in NFL history. And I'm really hoping that that wore off on him. And I honestly don't think Jameis Winston would come back until he was at least partially guaranteed the starting job. Let's go around to wrap up this free agency conversation and each one of us give our favorite free agency signing of the offseason. Why don't you start, Max? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually going to throw out a favorite and a least favorite. So really quick, my least favorite is 
Andy Dalton, and I think that the Bears are one of the biggest losers of this offseason. Not really because of what they got in Andy Dalton, right? Like, he's fine. He's basically Nick Foles 2.0 on a cheaper, shorter contract. But there were all of these rumors swirling around Russell Wilson coming to the Bears, coming to Chicago being that quarterback they needed. And they just absolutely did not get that. They got an average guy who can lead them to 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and, eight. and I think that void is going to be very, very much missing. Now moving on to my favorite signing. This is a little bit hard to say because I think there were a lot of good signings in the NFL this year. Um, but I think one of my favorites is actually a re-signing. And I think that is Aaron Jones going back to the Green Bay Packers. And I know that's a little bit weird to say because Packers are not really thought of as winners of this offseason. But I think that Aaron Jones gives this team a dynamic that basically every team needs. He can run, he can pass, he's, he can pass block, pass catch. He's a really, really elusive guy. He's a fantastic complement in the run game to Devontae Adams in the pass game. And I think he's a great, he's still pretty young, so not really a veteran, but basically a veteran mentor to their young back, A.J. Dillon. And they lost Jamal Williams, so... I think he's going to take on an even bigger role than ever. I think he's going to do fantastically with that role. And I think that him, Devontae Adams, and Aaron Rodgers are going to carry the Packers right back to the number one seed in that NFC North. So all good points, Max. I'll, I'll follow suit. I'll bring up my favorite uh, free agency signing. But before I do that, you know I have to hate on my uh, division rival, the Las Vegas Raiders. I think they are actually one of the biggest losers in free agency. I mean, we saw them give away their starting center, and I believe their starting guard, trading them away, one, I believe, to the Cardinals and one to the, uh, to the Seahawks. I mean, their offensive line, in my opinion, was the strong suit of, of that team. I mean, we've all seen that picture. If they had a strong suit. <laughs> if they had a strong suit. And we've all seen that image of, you know, Derek Carr standing in the pocket against that Saints. And he had just green grass ahead and all around him. That offensive line was uh, excellent. I don't understand why you would trade away those offensive linemen. And I get, they signed Kenyon Drake. That was seemed to be their biggest splash. But once again, what's a running back? And an RB2 at that, because they still have Josh Jacobs, when you don't have your offensive line. I think it's an oversight. I think it's what the fans want to see, because you want to see a star running back on your team more than you do some bookend uh, tackles and some great offensive linemen. But I think that it was a very risky decision that they made. And now to my favorite team, and this is a team that I showed some love to last podcast episode, and this is the Cleveland Browns. Yep. The Cleveland Browns have not made big splashes. Many of the players they've signed have not been, you know, J.J. Watt or A.J. Green or even Kenyon Drake. My favorite two signings were actually two guys that came from the same team, and that was John Johnson, the safety, and Troy Hill, the cornerback. John Johnson, as a Chargers fan personally, was the person that I was keeping the biggest eye on in free agency. This safety was heading to the free agency market, and he was among league circles, definitely one of the best and sought-after safeties. This guy was a highlight machine last year, a big reason why this was the number one defense in all of football. I think when your team has players like Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, it's really very easy to become overlooked. I think that John Johnson is a very coachable player. He's a young player. Same with Troy Hill. And most importantly, I think they're guys you don't have to, you know, splash and splurge on. These are guys you can pay very reasonable contracts to. And I think they really improve the Cleveland roster. What do you think, Max? 
Yeah, I think that the secondary is one of the biggest areas of need for this Browns team. They really broke out last year, but their strength was along that front seven with Miles Garrett leading the way. I think that alongside Denzel Ward, they need some pieces in that secondary. And I think with Troy Hill and with John Johnson, also with two of their draft picks from the last few years, Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit making their way back from the injured reserve. I think that they're going to be vastly improved back there, and I think the Browns are going to reach a whole nother level than what we've seen. Real quick, I really appreciate you for shouting out Grant Delpit. We all saw the tragic injury he faced. That is a very interesting point, Max. I'm looking forward to seeing Delpit on the field next year. Nation's top safety when he was out there as a senior at LSU. So. For sure, for sure. So I'm going to you know, say my least and uh, favorite signings. I think my favorite signing... It was actually Levante David, back re-signing of Levante David back to the Bucks. I think he's a key piece in that defense, and I think he's going to do wonders to keep that defensive clinic that we saw in the Super Bowl intact and happening more than just in the Super Bowl. So I'm really excited about that. In terms of my least favorite trade, I think that actually has to go to my Patriots for Kendrick Bourne. I mean, <laughs> I- I've never heard of this guy before they signed him. And beyond the fact that I'd never heard of him, how is it possible that he's making a $22.5 million? That, to me, seems a little bit over the top. But um, as we like to do here in the Big Red Zone, I think we're going to finish off with uh, some Max Brad and Rowie's hot takes. So uh, I'll start off. My hot take, Josh Allen gets hurt midseason, and Mitch Trubisky leads the Bills to a playoff game. Honestly, like, I wouldn't even be surprised. The Bills did such a good job with Josh Allen. And I think that's why Mitch Trubisky went to the Bills. He saw the job they did with Josh Allen. He decided that was the smartest way forward. Sit a year, sort of like Jameis did last year under Drew Brees. Learn a little bit. Pick something up from that coaching staff from Brian Dayball, who's still there. And I think he's going to be, honestly, a really good backup for them if Josh Allen does get hurt. My hot take... It has to do with the Fitzmagic-led football team. It's not team-related. It has to do with one of their other underrated signings. One of their underrated pickups in free agency was the Panthers receiver Curtis Samuel. And I think he's a fantastic deep threat and a fantastic gadget player. So I think he's going to set a new high for him in receiving yards. I think he's going to pick up 1,200 yards on the year, uh, both rushing and receiving, I'll say, even though that's a little less hot. But I think with Fitzmagic slinging him the ball, he's going to be one of the most important contributors on that team. And I think they're going to win the NFC East with at least, I'll say, 10 wins. I love that hot take, Max. And to wrap up the show, I'll give mine. And this goes to, is relevant to at least, the Seattle Seahawks. We saw this year there was a big debate whether or not Russ goes or not. I mean, that's partly still up in the air. But considering that the Bears gave a huge offer for Russ Wilson and nonetheless the Seahawks denied I don't think he's budging anywhere because I really don't think it would have gone much better than that for the Bears. That being said, I think that this year the 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 Seahawks will not do well. I think that the Seahawks missed the playoffs. That is my hot take. I know they signed Chris Carson. I know that Pete Carroll wants to have a ground-and-pound football team. They want to run the football. I just don't see enough improvements for them alongside some of their peers in that division, like the Rams that had a complete level up at quarterback. Uh, my hot take is the Seahawks crumble arrives much earlier next year than it did last year. I see them missing the playoffs, and as a result, I think that Russell Wilson just has enough and truly pushes for a trade next offseason, if not this one. 
Speaking of a change of scenery, last quick hot take for the homer in me. Kenny Galladay will be a Patriot within the next week. Bill is not done. And that is our show, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening. We are so happy to be back here doing this show. And we will see you all soon.